the word pride gets a bit of a bad rap sometimes in probably particularly in religious settings, religious discussions. My Bible encyclopedia describes pride as a conceited sense of one's own superiority. It's quite clearly um, a negative sense and the verses used to support this definition likewise give a sense of the very negative aspects of pride. Um, it talks about the origin of pride in the devil, um, in ambition, in an evil heart, in the world, in self-righteousness, in worldly power. Uh, it mentions verses describing the evils of pride in um, Daniel 5.20 where it hardens the mind. Hosea 7.9 and 10, it produces spiritual decay. Proverbs 26.12, it keeps from real progress. Psalm 10 verses 4, it hinders coming to God. Jeremiah 49.16, it um, has issues in self-deception. Jeremiah 43.2, it makes people reject God's word. Proverbs 16.18, it leads to ruin. Proverbs 6.16 6, and 17, it's hated by the Lord. And Romans 1.28 to 32, um, it's deserving of death goes on to describe the characteristics of the prideful. They are, are wicked, Psalm 73, 6. They're world rulers, Habakkuk 2, 4 to 5. And the last days, 2 Timothy 3, 2, of those who have pride. Not really a, a glowing recommendation, is it? Um, and, and we understand that it's a, a necessary description a necessary use of pride that pride associated with self-conceit gets in the way of um, recognizing God as the one who should be in control of our lives um, with pride with an important sense of self it becomes near impossible to um, bow the knee before God's word um, to repent to um, obey things that we think are not important or things that um, we don't really uh, agree with or that would be really challenging for us to do. So it's important to understand that pride can be a really negative, really dangerous thing. But as with most things in the English language, it's complicated, isn't it? Pride isn't just a negative thing. Pride can actually have a very positive connotation and a positive um, description, a positive sense to it. And it's that sense, that use of the word pride, um, that I want to refer to this evening. Um, the lesson title that's on the board there, Pride in the Brackets, in the Name of Love. Um, a number of people's favoured band in the audience is um, U2 and this is one of their most famous songs um, and the word pride even though it's in the title of the song only appears once it appears right towards the end of the third verse and it's in reference to Martin Luther King and the fact that um, when he was assassinated even though they took his life that they could not take his pride and the songwriter I guess Bono and and friends making reference to and drawing on the fact that Martin Luther King was a symbol of, of a man um, with great dignity and who really saw 
the self-worth of himself and of his people, of um, black people in America, really being um, denigrated unfairly, really being treated um, very poorly. And through um, you know, non-violent resistance and protest, he was trying to call out all that was wrong, all that was shameful in the communities that were actively um, harming, actively segregating um, sections of the population. And so he had um, a right sense of pride, of pride in um, uh, what was um, you know, the, the self-worth, the um, dignity of people uh, who were being treated so poorly. I think this pride too is something that should come across and not only in social justice movements, but in the church as well. I think it's really important um, for us to have a sense of pride, to have a sense of dignity, to have a sense of self-worth, to have a sense, again, not misplaced and not selfish and not self-centered, but to have great confidence in the church, to have great confidence in the God whom you serve, um, to take great delight and great pleasure from the people whom, with whom faith and service to God you share and we share. The Oxford English Dictionary, unlike my Bible, thesaur, or Bible um, encyclopedia, it gives a, a very different sense of the word pride. Once I get it back here. It describes pride as a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements, the achievements of those with whom one is closely associated, or from qualities or possessions that are widely admired. For instance, the faces of the children's parents glowed with pride. And if you've ever been to a, a sports carnival, the school sports carnival, and you see the parents on the, the sideline, um, all of them, uh, I would hope, and if they are discharging their duties as parents or uncles and aunties or whatnot, um, have a sense of pride at their child you know, competing. And the child may come first and be an elite athlete. The child may bring up the rear. Um, but provided that child is you know, competing with all of the very best that they can offer, I think parents um, rightly have great pride in um, the efforts of their children. And so it's this sense, I think, that we can really reflect on within the church. And if we look firstly at um, the reading that Russell brought to us from Joshua, a very famous reading, particularly Joshua 24, 15, um, you know, choose for this day whom you will serve. And then that really strong declaration, in some ways echoing that declaration generations later by Paul in Romans 8, where you know, Paul says, What's going to get in the way of God? What can separate us from the love of God? Likewise, um, Joshua here really strongly, forcefully declaring, look, I can't control what you folk are going to do, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. 
And Joshua is known for the strength of his leadership, um, for the character, for the dignity, um, and for the, the strength, the trust that he places in God. And I would classify it um, for the sense of pride that he has in his faith and in the God whom he serves and who is really the true leader of Joshua, of his family, and by extension of the people whom Joshua leads. And you see that in those following verses. And again, you know, Joshua 24, 15 to 24 doesn't really fit very nicely on a wall plaque or even on a, a meme on Facebook. But I think that all the verses are really important because you see the people responding to his declaration. You see the people likewise sharing in that pride and saying, you know what, and you know, understanding all that they've been through in the last couple of generations, all that they've gone through in terms of the exodus, in terms of the period of wilderness, and now to come in and to, to take um, the promised land, to be so familiar with all that God has done and God's you know, master plan, to see that come to fruition, to see that um, all follow through and for people to realize, you know what, indulging in evil, indulging in idolatry, um, those things are short, temporary um, and bring no um, meaningful um, elements to you know, their worship and to their civic cultural life. And rather, it is only through serving God. And so there's, I think, there's just this real sense of, of pride um, that they are God's chosen people, that God watches over them, has watched over them, will watch over them, will deliver them no matter what. And so much so that you know, Joshua is able to declare so forcefully, and the people likewise, uh, to echo that sentiment that, yes, we will serve this God and this God only. And so I think we too can share in this same pride. It's the same God that we serve. If anything, we have even more evidence. We have even more of a scope of history and of historical evidence and influence that God has exhibited um, in terms of um, serving, in terms of honoring, in terms of watching over his people. And we rightly should be proud. We should be proud to serve God. We should be proud to wear the name of Christian. And that name gets muddied a lot. That name gets denigrated a lot. Um, the church, you know, religious um, practice, faith, um, worshipping God, um, all of these things are not without their challenges, not without their contentions, um, not without their embarrassments in the wider world. Um, and it's easy to shy away. It's easy to um, not stand up about these things. I'm sure Martin Luther King could have probably found you know, a quieter life, uh, a more peaceful life, um, a life without the constant threat of assassination. But he knew that that was not really a life worth living, that um, he and his family and the people with whom he shared these problems and these troubles with um, deserved more and were right um, to declare that they were proud of who they are. Um, likewise, we as Christians... Um, should never be ashamed of the gospel, should never be ashamed of 
um, the God whom we serve, nor should we be ashamed of um, the church. But rather, um, we need to really, I think, take great pride in whom we share side by side, arm in arm, um, as soldiers of Christ, um, as family of God, um, as Paul talks about us being fellow um, tillers of the soil, uh, all of these sorts of things. And you think of um, those various groups. You think of um, a, a troop of soldiers um, when they're bonded together. You know, they talk about the strength of that bond. They talk about the pride of the service that um, they have. You know, within that particular um, division, that particular um, group of, of soldiers that. Um, band together. Likewise, we mentioned before, the family. You, know, you don't take pride in your child running uh, only if they finish first. And if they you know, finish sixth, then you just kind of shun them and you know, don't want to be associated with them and you, you know, go to the car and wait for them to come later so that they you know, you know, get associated with such a loser. I mean, that's a pretty bankrupt kind of view of the family. I think all of us in any sort of functioning family um, you know, understand that our siblings, whatever, our children, you know, have their flaws and have their mistakes and there's things that we all do that cause each other um, to have some level of you know, embarrassment or whatnot. But on the whole, we strive our hardest and the view that we have towards our family is one of pride, is one of pride in their achievements, in, in who they are, in that shared sense of not just you know, genetic history that we have, but of you know, social and, um, and closeness and, and bond and um, presentation to the world. We share not only a surname but a whole history and a whole togetherness. And it's these things that contribute to this sense of, of pride in a positive way. Paul understands this, and I think Paul exhibits this, and I think it's really instructive, instructive for me to read how Paul references the church, how Paul speaks to his fellow Christians. And I think you have to see coming through in his language a sense of pride. Uh, I think that's the best way that we can describe it. Pride almost like um, the parent on the side of the racetrack has. Um, pride, and you see in elite sport, you see um, you know, the parent sitting in the box of the tennis player who's made it all the way to the final. I think when John Millman, he made it to the round of 16 in the US Open and he was playing Roger Federer and John Millman had a lot of injuries, was a journeyman, was you know, normally ranked two, 300 in the world. So to play Roger Federer at the US Open with only 16 players left in the draw. And so his family, like his sister was trying to get tickets and they were flying here and there, all trying to get to New York because you only find out, like if, you know, obviously you've got um, sort of two days you know, a day and a half to know that and you know um, they all wanted to be there they all wanted to share in that moment because of the great pride that they have in the struggles and then in the triumphs of, of their brother 
um, Paul shared in the triumphs, shared in the struggles of his fellow Christians. He was deeply concerned about them um, and he was proud of their service. He was proud of their commitment. He was honoured to be called a Christian with them, alongside them. He was honoured by their support of him, um, but more so, I'm quite convinced, by their um, taking on of Christianity in all of its challenges and all of its triumphs. He was honoured and proud of their um, getting through the, the troubles with Judaizers and getting through the troubles with um, the local Roman authorities and getting through the troubles of you know, sin and its temptations and of you know, establishing local churches and of all of the you know, intrapers- interpersonal conflicts that come. And so when he writes to the Philippians, he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offence till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And you think, well, yeah, I know that's the Philippians. He had a special bond with them. Listen to what he writes when he writes to the church in Colossae, in Colossians, he says to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth, as you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. Again, First Thessalonians, third book in a row, Paul writes to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, 
in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Do you think about your fellow saints in such terms? Do you pray for them constantly? Do you give thanks for them continually? Are you grateful for how they have turned away from sin and idols and turned to God? Are you grateful for the example that they show to Toowoomba and the Darling Downs and all about? Are you proud of the work that the church does in here and in India and in PNG and Vanuatu and West Africa? Are you proud of the children who come and who sit and who patiently listen and who have a sixth day of classes of a Sunday morning and who come on a Friday night and who invite their own friends and say, hey, it's not a sporting event, it's a church event. I want you to come and to be my friend there. Are you proud of their young people who though they could have been working to earn money, though they could have been doing all sorts of things, went and spent a week at a church camp to hear lessons, to uplift brethren in another part of Australia. Are you proud of the ladies' class who, outside of children's um, holidays, are here, continually teaching and encouraging and admonishing and uplifting one another? Are you proud of our preacher who fields all sorts of questions that are probably better directed to a social worker or to a psychiatrist or to a... um, The church does a lot and the church did a lot from its infancy and Paul was proud of the Christians whom he served with and we likewise should be proud of the Christians whom we serve with. And it should come through in the way we think and it should come through in the way we speak and it should come through in the way we act, in the way we live out our own faith and in the way that we think about our fellow brethren and we think about our God and all of the work that he has done much more than we ourselves. Thank you.